This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Alana Enquirer podcast, and it's that time of week to talk with our guy, Alana Enquirer basketball analyst Michael Tulip, former Alana basketball player, Wright State as well. And Mike, I don't know how much we can break down of the first game of the season. Uh, a, a win over Jackson State, 71-47, some great defense, uh, some bad offense from Jackson State as well. But uh, without their three top players, Kofi Coburn out with suspension, Andre Corbello in concussion protocol, Trent Frazier out with a shoulder injury, and then a guy we think uh, could be a scorer and maybe at times in, in, in hints of uh, a primary ball handler uh, potentially, Austin Hutcherson is out. So really probably four of your best, most talented scorers on the team, maybe the four most talented players on the team are out. What do you think? Like, that game happened, I guess. It happened and they won. Uh, I don't know if there's much to take away from it otherwise. You and I were texting before the game, and I think the word we used was, this will be intriguing. Uh, you know, just to – you don't really picture a world without Andre Curbelo and Kofi. I mean, you, you picture a world without Kofi because that was the reality for much of the offseason. But no Curbelo, no Trent, um, you know, no Austin Hutcherson. Like, you know, it really is – is we're going through the list of all potential ball handlers for the team, that's what the big question became. Who's going to handle the ball? And I think – I think it's a little bit – overrated in a sense of like we need you know we're not going to be able to function without anybody that can handle the ball overrated in the sense like you can have somebody dribble up the ball up the floor yeah and a lot of times to make the comparison i think coleman hawkins was the best fit for it because not only can he do it but odds are you are being defended by a guy that is also a big who is uncomfortable guarding in the backcourt and you can at least get into your offense because they're going to run a little more spread action anyways so just getting it across the court was was basically all you needed to do. Um, I, I go back to the Oregon game when we, we played in 2013 uh, at the Moda Center where the Blazers play against Oregon, and they had a certain scheme that they were running where we, we – the whole – John Eakey brought the ball up the entire game. And that was just the way we did it, and then we got into our stuff and, and you know, continued with the game. But um, I, I thought, you know, you can't take a lot from this game – you know, just from like an X's and O's standpoint, they, they didn't run their normal offense. Um, but you got to feel good about it. You know, you, yeah. you're, you're down four guys. You win convincingly. Four really good players. You win convincingly. Guys are playing hard. We mentioned it talking, you know, before we started, uh, you know, when we started talking about this game, because the question mark for IUP was, God, it came out flat. Uh, guys weren't, you know, I feel like guys had a little more to give defensively. And these guys play hard, man. Yeah. Um, you know, shorthanded came out, and I, I also think that the the element that you have to think about is there's a lot of guys who envision having the opportunity that they had in that game. You don't you don't think about Corbello going down, Frazier going down, Kobe going down, Hutchinson going down. So now 
it's really hard as a as a player not to be like this is my moment mm -hmm. right i'm stepping up this is what we've been waiting for i have to show this and i give the guys credit man they came out and just played within the team you know everybody and they were out of position they, they made it work and I, I think it says a lot about them it says a lot about the staff it says a lot about the culture the foundation that they've created we're like no it doesn't matter who we put on the floor yeah. we're gonna play hard we're gonna get on loose balls and, and I thought that was really the story of the game. Like I said, not much to take from it, but you can take, you know, this is who we are as Illinois basketball now. Yeah, I agree with you. They played hard. And that's why Brad Underwood was saying, I'm so proud of that locker room. Jackson State's not a good team. <laughs> they just aren't a very good team. But there were some moments of adversity in that game. I mean, they get within 11 at the beginning of the second half, and they responded. Um, they come out at 12 nothing, right? I mean, if you would have given Jackson State some confidence, who knows where that game could have gone with some guys doubting themselves. But I do want to mention this. I think it allowed – the outside world to appreciate Jacob Grandison a little bit more. He is a guy who has led a Division One team in scoring before at Holy Cross under a, a pretty good coach there. Um, he gave he was a calming influence, Mike, and, and it's just a reminder of he's a very good player. And sometimes when we're breaking down this team, he's always the guy that's kind of left out. Because like, yeah, it's Jacob Grandison. He's six six. You know, gives you some scoring sometimes. Passes the ball well. Not a great defender, but good energy guy. Uh, consummate teammate, it seems like. But um, that was kind of a reminder. So it was good to see that um, Jacob Grandison, twenty points, really had a huge second half. Um, I, I just thought it was it was kind of almost a Jacob Grandison appreciation game because they needed him, man. They needed somebody to step up, and it always made sense for him. I, I tweeted before the game like it, it it's probably going to have an Illini career high for for Jacob Grandison and, and that's yeah. exactly what he did uh, calming influence you hit the you hit the nail on the head yeah. uh, I think and I've said it before on this podcast I've probably tweeted before Jacob Grandison has game like I, I think you know he has game and I think going from Holy Cross where you are the leading scorer on your team where you are 14 a game being able to see yourself do it at the college level gives you all the confidence to be able to step up in those situations. And, and I'll be honest, he looked like a guy in that game that was just ready to step up into an elevated role. And I think the, the really neat thing about Jacob Grandison is the fact that he can do that when called upon. And I guarantee you when Kofi and Corbello and all these guys come back, he's going to go right back to being who he, you know, who he was. And that's not saying he played completely differently. There's just more opportunities for him offensively, especially. Uh, so really impressed with not only just his ability to score. We know he can do that. Uh, we know he can shoot the ball. We know he can, he, he fights, he keeps balls alive, but I thought he made some really good plays off the dribble. Yeah. Um, where Which Illinois we haven't seen a lot, right? And we haven't seen a lot in his career so far. We have and, and where Illinois struggled. And, and for those of you that'll stick around for the film breakdown, um, a lot of times the play that was open was beating your man off the dribble they helped in from the corner, kick it to the corner, and it was a wide open three. And there were probably three, four, maybe five times in the game where Illinois, I mean, this just kick it to the corner, and they didn't. And and Jacob Grandison had a really, really good play. It was on the, I believe it was it was on the Luke Goody three in the corner by the bench uh, in the second half. You know, he he maneuvers through a ball screen, plays with pace, gets downhill, change of direction, guy commits in from the corner, kick it. Like that is, it's such a simple read, but it, it's a read that guys, you get one track minded coming off the ball screen where you, I got to score, I got to shoot this floater. He made the right read. I thought you know, he, he got some fouls early. So I think that stunted his ability to be in there a little bit in the first half. But um, I just love his game, man. Yeah. I love his game. And he really is a guy that as the season goes on, you need a guy that's just like, 
we know what he's going to bring. Mm-hmm. He's not a roller coaster. He's not, and you can tell, like just his demeanor. He doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, and, and those guys are really valuable. Uh, all right, so if you bought stock in the Coleman-Hawkins breakout, the first three looks we've got at him are, are pretty good. Um, what can he take from this, uh, these three games where he's – I mean, he was the best player on the court, um, I thought, uh, the other day. I mean, Jacob Grandison ended up uh, leading the scoring, but there was just – in that first half, it, Coleman just asserted himself in, in so many ways. What can that do as, as they get to bigger tests and everybody starts coming back, um, all these other talented teammates? Give the guy credit. It's – the role that he played Tuesday night was basically going from, Hey, you know what? Take the training wheels off your bike and let's, let's put you in a car and go stick shift. <laughs> like it's, it, it really was, you know, you start to see how, how much of a, a premium ball handling is and being able to get into offense and not only getting into offense, but where you get into offense, right? You don't want to start your offense 33 feet from the basket. That's not how you run it in practice. So seeing him be able to, not only just bring the ball up the floor, because because I'll be honest, a lot of guys can bring the ball up the floor, but do you look comfortable doing it? And he not, like I said, I mean, he not only looked comfortable bringing the ball up the floor, but he looked comfortable making some reads and making some decisions. And But don't mistake comfortability for being mistake-free. Right. You know, that's, that's, that's not what I'm getting at. He looked comfortable putting himself in a position to make those decisions. Some were turnovers, some were assists. Um, some kept the flow of the offense going. But I, really, I mean, his the move that he made in the first half where he's going downhill and kind of just had that little hook shot um, off the glass, I think at times he gets, he gets a little excited. Yeah. Um, and he plays that way. Uh, and, and you'd much rather have a guy that you need to kind of reel in a little bit than, than kick in the butt. Uh, but his ceiling is insane. It, it is. And, and I think he, you watch the game and you watch the clips, and we did the film breakdown a couple weeks ago, he can get so much better. Mm-hmm. too that's the scary part and and i do think he's a guy that when it's all said and done his you know his ceiling there's no question that he can be an all-league type of guy um and and i think being able to learn from from these guys and not really i think him not getting thrown into the fire as much as a freshman may end up benefiting him in the long run um you learn how to be around a winning culture and you know some guys some guys come in and uh, they play for a bad team and their experience is just on bad teams. And it's the old saying, every bad team has a leading scorer, um, you know, but he's been able to learn how to win and what works. And um, his, he just has such good instincts and um, just seeing the way he filled that stat sheet, you know, yeah. 13 points, eight rebounds, three assists, four steals flying around. It, it, it's, it's got to put a smile on that staff face. I mean, he, they got, they got a player in Coleman Hawkins. Yeah, and I, there's some things you gotta. As you were talking about, he gets excited at times. He talks trash, um, which which I think Brad Underwood doesn't mind. But there's just yeah. moments to do it and moments and ways to do it. Um, but I, I'm sitting there watching some of Michigan, and you say Caleb Houston, or you see Musa Diabate, or you watch Ohio State, and you see EJ Liddell do what he does. And it's like I, I see what Coleman Hawkins does more on the defensive side as so valuable Mike when, when you're talking about those guys that Illinois got to go up against that they've struggled against for years like that four position they've really had a disadvantage there and you put a guy like Coleman there with that length and that skill it's just a different dynamic it, it is and, and you look at the league yes it's a, it's a it's a big man league so to speak but you know EJ Liddell's playing four um 
you know, Caleb First is a guy that's that's starting for Purdue, and he's a guy that's going to be playing in there at the four with Zach Eady and Travion Williams playing at the five. So, like, it's not a position where you can really have a night off um, offensively and defensively. And I, and I think you'll, you'll see certain things in the film breakdown that although they are about the freshmen, there's certain parts, you know, for him defensively, he covers up a lot of things. You know, he blocks shots. He, you know, he's always talking. He's vocal. And those are the things that you want to see out of a guy who has that type of potential. Um, you know, he's not – he doesn't come off as really like a me, me, me guy, um, you know, which oftentimes when you have a guy that, that has that type of trajectory, that has that type of ceiling, you can get caught up in your, in your own world. And, um, you know, but, but I really think that as we get – as we transition to playing better competition and there's no – and we'll get into it, but there's no better, I guess, barometer. There may be a better barometer, but a non-conference, you know, mid, you know low to mid-major team, you know, the next game you play – is against a preseason player of the year in the Sun Belt Conference, and it's a big man. Like Jackson State didn't have many of those, so you really start to get to see how he fares against those those types of guys, and you know how he can utilize his length in certain ways to make up for, you know, maybe his I don't want to say his lack of strength because he's just, you know he's built a certain way. He's 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 skinnier. He's he's more wiry, um, but but he's going to be really interesting as we go out through that season just to see his progression and see how, how he continues to, to to build on that throughout the year. For, you, for those of you listening, you've heard Mike refer to it. We're going to do a film breakdown, VIP film breakdown of the freshmen. Um, so we'll have a, a bunch on that. But I do want to mention, I, I am in the Luke Goody fan club. Uh, I just think he brings a maturity that, that a lot of true freshmen don't. His jumper looks great. Um, there were some questions after his junior year of high school about whether he could – shoot a high enough percentage to be the role that he needs to be it's been pretty good so far uh and I think you as Mike as a shooter can see that too but it's just his presence man like we've talked about it before he just doesn't make a ton of freshman mistakes uh, out there and and just knows how to play his role so while I I see RJ Melendez have flashes that I, I don't know if Luke Goody can do athletically um I just I I just think Luke Goody has a really bright future and he just looks like the kind of guy Purdue or Michigan State uh, has as a sophomore, junior, senior that just bothers the heck out of you. Well, you know, you, you want to talk about freshmen. You want to talk about all three of these freshmen. There's a reason why Luke Goody, you're going to see him on the floor more than the other two, most likely. And the reason is defensively, this guy, and it's not 100%, but 97% of the time he is in the right position. And the other thing that I'll mention too, and I'll talk about on the breakdown, when Luke Goody is guarding you, you feel him. You feel him. And, and that says a lot. You know, he's he isn't the quickest guy in the world. Um, you know, so and, and he does have size. So there may be instances where he is guarding maybe a, a quicker, smaller player. Um, and you can play him in, in both of those positions defensively. But the way to make up for if it's whether it's a lack of foot speed, um, which actually I don't think he has a lack of foot speed, so to speak, but there are quicker guys. And the way you make up for that is making the guy that you're guarding uncomfortable. And the guy that Luke Goody is guarding is typically pretty uncomfortable. Um, And that's that's made all the difference for him starting on these games. But but you make the point even offensively. I'll keep going back to the breakdown. So those of you that aren't VIP become VIP so that you can see this on film, but he has such a knack and it's, it's so small. It's so small. He is always shot ready. Yeah. He's always down. He's always loaded. And 
The difference is that, and the reason why he can get those shots off is that if you are standing straight up when you catch the ball, you got to go down and then you got to go back up. And if you are shot ready, you take that first part out of it. So it's, although it's a fraction of a second, it's a fraction of a second for a guy to be, you know, this close to the ball before tipping it. And, you know, the, for you going down and going back up, that's the difference between getting shot off and getting blocked or just not having a shot and then potentially having to swing it around and have to hoist up one at the end of a shot clock. So that's why he's been able to make, take and make those shots. And that's why you look at the percentage that he's going to shoot throughout his career and the types of looks he's going to get is because he does his work early shooting the ball. Yeah. And I, I mentioned, like, there's a couple of times Coleman Hawkins gets the ball at the top of the key and he's not shot ready, right? Like, and, and, and you can see, so he's not going to make that one because his footwork isn't there. You know, he's got to bend down to kind of get into his shot. So I, I, I think that's a, a great point. Even a guy like Coleman, who, who's going to play a huge role, still needs to work on those kind of things. Uh, I do want to – yeah, go ahead, Mike. Well, I'm just saying, like, the, the Coleman Hawkins, I made the point on the film breakdown of he stands up a lot. Yeah. He's standing straight up. And honestly – it's it's the RJ Melendez thing too. RJ Melendez does it at times too, and and it's it hurt him a little bit in, in that first game. So uh, being shot ready is uh, you can't. There's no replacement. I I had to do it because my first open gym at Illinois. I caught a corner three, and Mike Henry closed out on me and blocked the shot off the wall. And I, I remember I caught it standing straight up and went back down. There just wasn't enough time. So do the work early. But uh, I'll also make this last point because. You get me talking about shooting. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll break it down. So you got to think about it. When you, the reason why you have to train yourself to be shot ready, is because late in the game, fourth, you know, fourth quarter, second half, whatever you want to call it, you will mistake bending down for bending over. And what I and what I mean by that is, you know, picture sitting. You know, you're standing. You catch the ball. Right. And if you were to bend down or if you were to, to squat down to shoot it, you know, your the level of your eyes lowers and then raises. If you bend down, you can be at that same level and you can trick yourself into thinking that you're you're squatting down to shoot it when really you're bending over. So your balance is all thrown off. And that's why late, if you're not using your legs, if you're not bending down, shots become short. Um, and that's what Coleman Hawkins, if you watch his misses, his misses on pull-ups are always hitting the back rim or the backboard first, and his misses on catch and shoots are typically short. So, little little tidbits, I guess there, but it's it's almost easier to to act out than it is to explain it. But um, but anyways, yeah. uh, we'll no, break that down. Good. But but all they, they those guys have have room to improve on that. But it's something that Luke Goody does really well. The boss man's music. Um, you know, guys need to step up, and, and here's Benjamin Bossman's Verdonk after barely playing his first two years. I'm not going to go crazy with this, and we'll talk about Omar Payne and Alfonso Plummer here. Maybe is like, what have we seen from those guys so far? But I do want to give Benjamin Bossman's Verdonk a lot of credit for just bringing energy and effort, right, and physicality uh, to the low post. And, you know, if that's your third string center, Mike, where, where you just got to get a guy who can bruise some people up, uh, I, I think he earned a little bit of confidence and, and probably got himself a little bit of confidence the other night. I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I think it gives you, it gives the staff confidence. And if we are down a big and we do have to dip into our bench, into our depth, that we have a guy that can more than hold his own. I think if you remember correctly, back in the Big Ten tournament, yeah. last year I mean he had some really really serviceable minutes against Iowa and I think the idea was we got Luca Garza on the other team and if you're making the decision between Coleman Hawkins 
and and Bosman's for Donk in that situation you want you know more more meat so to speak um and that's why they made that decision and and he you know he knows his role there's there's no substitute for a guy that knows exactly who he is what he is and what his capabilities are he yeah I didn't think he did anything in that game on Tuesday that was like all right hey settle down like you know you're you're playing a little bit outside yourself and and there's the reason why you have you know he scored five points you know he was one for four from the free throw line but we're praising him because we don't expect him to score 15 or go eight for eight from the free throw line but the 10 rebounds in 21 minutes uh keep him keeping balls alive five offensive rebounds you know that's you know and he's such a strong presence around the rim where he ended up putting Jackson State in foul trouble by getting to the line so um can't say enough about him and and he just he comes off as a very selfless like I said another selfless guy that can that can go in there and, and doesn't make it about himself so um I was trying I was trying I was talking to somebody after the game I was like yeah he looked like Chris Humphreys out there like he's just you know guys are just kind of bouncing off of him and um you know it was really good to see him him have that type of performance because because you know Illinois needed it yeah he, he feels like you go across the street and play tight end uh, for for Illinois football if you needed to uh, for sure I want to ask you like I'm not to the point where you know some fans are like uh, could he be the second string center behind Omar Payne? It's like, no. Have you seen these moments of Omar Payne where the shots he can block, how explosive he is off the rim? Um, but the rebounding has not been there. The, the getting stripped a couple times has been uh, disconcerting. And then Alfonso Plummer. I just want to get your thoughts on what you've seen from those two transfers because um, I think obviously they're going to play huge roles on this team, Mike, but we just haven't seen it yet in, in the game action that we've seen. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with Omar Payne and with with big men at times i don't i don't tend to to freak out about rebounding numbers because i always go back to to nana and some of the other bigs that i play with oftentimes quite honestly like they're blocking out um you know it's very you know it's not every time are you blocking out and getting the rebound typically you're clearing your guy out to clear a path for a luke goody or any of these guys that are running in to grab a rebound right i mean coleman hawkins he's more of a he's more although he'll check out and he's great with his box out he can be more of a fly-in and grab the rebound guy because odds are Omar Payne is under the basket. He's around the basket, so I, I'm not too worried about the rebounding numbers. He was loose with the ball, um, but again, that's more of the spread. You're not going to run that. Yeah. Like once Curbelo's in there, he's much he's much more back to what he's comfortable doing, which is setting ball screens, uh, rolling to the rim hard. You know, Demonte hit him on that lob, and 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 you look, you're like. Ah, there it is. That's Omar Payne. Omar Payne laying on his back out of bounds by the <laughs> cheerleaders and coming back in and blocking a shot. That's Omar Payne. So, you know, you like I said, you're not asking a lot of him. So when these guys come back in, I think he's, you know, because when he's spotlighted and he's starting, like he may not be ready for that yet. But playing him more in, in an offense that suits him a little better where he's he's screening, he's rolling, I I think he'll he'll feel a lot more comfortable and also you know, it's his third game with a new team. Right. Uh, you know, he, he's adjusting to all that. Luckily, he's playing a similar role that he played in last year. So um, not too worried about Omar Payne. Uh, I, I still think he'll be kind of that, depending on foul trouble, he'll be like a 10 to 12-minute guy. Um, I know he played 17 the other night. But uh, Alfonso Plummer, um, you know, I, I think he's another guy. And I think I had somebody tweet me before the game that was like, over, under – eight and a half Alfonso Plummer threes in this game with all these guys out. And I said, probably under, because you need to have a guy that can create to get him those shots. 
And you saw that on full display where if you don't have a creating point guard, those open shots are hard to come by. And he missed, I mean, he missed a few, uh, a few that he's probably more accustomed to making, but um, I still like what he brings to the table because at the very least, he's a guy you got to account for offensively. Um, Defensively, more he does, you know, he has more to give. Um, I don't know if it was Brad Underwood going nuclear because he didn't dive on that loose ball, but it seemed to be that way. Yes, he did. Um, you know, I, um, you were there, you were yeah. probably, or you were closer, you probably saw it. And said some um, choice words there, Mike, that I can't repeat on this podcast. <laughs> those, t- but those type of things that I, I believe that in these next five games, and maybe we'll be able to refer back to it, you're going to see Alfonso Plummer dive on a loose ball yeah. that maybe he wouldn't have he dove on before. And that makes all the difference too, right? It's just getting your hands dirty, um, but making sure that he's not a guy that is a net negative defensively. Because if he's not bringing something to the table offensively that night, and he'll always bring something to the table because, he's, like I said, he's got to be accounted for. But defensively, you know, he's got to just be, like I said, similar to Curbelo, like be a really good position defender. Watch Luke Goody. Watch the fret. Like he is always in the right position, head on a swivel. You know, he's never having to, to scramble and, and be out of position. So um, I still think these two guys are really, really good for what they can bring to this particular Illinois team. Uh, now, if you were going to start them both yeah. and, and play them, you know, I think Plummer played 36 minutes, uh, probably won't play that during the season, but he'll be, you know, probably be 25, 25, 27, depending on the game. So, um, like I said, I, I like what I, I like the flashes that I've seen from both of them. And I, and I think, you know, at, at a smaller scale, when these guys are back, they're they're going to help this team win some games. Yeah, like I, I agree with you, Mike. Like it was hard to take away a lot because he, he did miss. I think there were two shots. I thought were like halfway down and came out. I'm not worried about him making shots, but it's hard for him to make shots when he has to create them, right? Like when he's got Kofi around him, Curbelo, even a Hutcherson and Frazier. Like those shots are going to be way more open, and he'll be set. He's a set shooter for the most part. You're right, and and I think too we we made the point in the initial film breakdown for Alfonso Plummer, he is best when he is not shooting, and has to put the ball on the floor. He is best if he just has his mind up, mind made up the second he starts dribbling, because when you start having him make decisions, that's why he had four turnovers in this game. I actually thought he made some really good passes, yeah. um, that maybe a little bit different with a little more length in there, but he you know he had a good little hook pass to the top of the key for I believe a Coleman Hawkins three um you know and, and then he also had a nice little bounce pass um to Coleman Hawkins or two or two BBV uh but he had some solid looks but that it's just not his strength and luckily like we've talked about before it doesn't have to be his strength on this team and then as, as the years go on he can just you know I guess the year that he's playing here he just has to worry about Curbelo. Hey, just be shot ready because you're gonna ha- you're gonna have open shots and and I think he's gonna excel in that you know in that area this year. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Mike, we don't know exactly who will be available. Brad Underwood, uh, we're recording this at 2 p.m. on Thursday. Brad speaks at 4. I don't know if he'll give us a, a sure update, but uh, Kerbel going through the concussion protocol, I would imagine we're enough time out where he should be back in the court. Not sure on Frazier, not sure uh, on Hutcherson, but clearly uh, Kofi will be out. And uh, Arkansas State is going to be a much better test of this team. Um, so I, I guess if we assume that that Andre Corbello is in and maybe we shouldn't assume that but he was getting a really good workout the other day just not cleared for contact um, what what is this going to what what's this game going to be like for them and what are we going to learn about this team considering that we could have multiple guys still out I think you're going to learn more that's for sure um, Arkansas State's got some players uh, no shot Omer is preseason player of the year averaged 12 and 12 last year as a freshman uh, in the Sun Belt, and uh, I think he had 15 and 12 in their exhibition game or in their in their opener. But uh, look at a guy like Desi Sills. Uh, Desi Sills is a guy that played for Arkansas last year for their Elite Eight team. Like played a lot of minutes, uh, but he's a Jonesboro, Arkansas native. So he, he, you know, going home to play for for Arkansas State. And he was a guy that, you know, 21 points in their opener. Like he's he's a really really talented guard and he can defend as well so you know it's, it's going to if you don't have Curbelo again and you don't have Frazier again that ball handling is even more you know even more of a question mark now because you're really going to have to to take care of it uh you're really going to have to make sure you get quality shots um but I I, I do think that I don't know Andre Grill is running out and, and doing chest bumps with guys uh during the timeout so I, I hope that we'll have him back because he just he opens up so much for, you know, Illinois won that game by 24 against Jackson State. And, and I, I firmly believe Curbelo, if just Curbelo plays that game, they win by 45. Uh, there's just so much, so many more open shots and higher percentage shots that are created. But, but Arkansas State's going to be a test. They got, they got players. Um, so, so I'm excited to see how this team, if it is exactly how it looked like against Jackson State, how they combat the ball handling situation, but also – you know, if we do have those guys back and Curbelo and Frazier, you know, Curbelo, Frazier, Hutcherson can be back, you know, what can you look like against another team when you're taking that step up, right? You take a step up to Arkansas State, better competition. Then you take a step up to Marquette. So we'll see how these guys evolve playing better competition. So I'm excited to see that. Mike, I'm, I'm trying to think if there's another year like this for Illinois. I'm thinking back to like 16 when you guys had like a ridiculous amount of injuries, uh, I, I believe on that team, um, like Khalid Lewis had a bunch of injuries. Like uh, I just remember guys being out at, at certain points of that season. Um, how does that? How does this little stretch of disruption, right? Like you haven't been able to kind of build up with the team you're going to have going into Marquette, going into the, the Hall of Fame Classic. How does a team overcome that? Because I would imagine just kind of pushes everything down the line a little bit to where this team can get into a rhythm. Yeah. You know, I, I think you just have to take all the, the outside stuff or whatever it's the injuries, it's the suspensions and just 
you roll with the punches. I mean, you can't, this is the same thing as last year where people mistake, you know, uh, the 2021-22 Illini as they trained for an off season and the team that they are opening night is the team that they are for the season and we're going to overreact to it or, yeah. or underreact to it. Uh, the team is going to progress, right? Even when you get all these guys back, right? You're going to be better in December than you were in November, January to December, February to January. So, you know, it was like the, the sky was falling last year when Ohio State came into to Champaign. And I remember making the point of like, this, was never, this team was never going to be a finished product in January. It's always going to be March. And I know there was a slip up uh, against Loyola and it ended up ending the season, but that team steadily improved and you saw them hit their apex in the Big Ten tournament. But I think, yeah, you, you mentioned the parallels to, to 2016. I remember just being in Springfield and <laughs> I was redshirting. And myself, I, I had to make the decision of like, I either had to burn my redshirt right there because we, we needed guys to, to play to start and or just preserve the year i ended up just preserving the year because kendrick was going to come back in two weeks tate broke his hand and broke his finger in the first game um tracy was already out like we were down so many guards but at that point the difference between that team and this team obviously that team went five and 13 in conference and this team has final four hopes but the difference is outside of kendrick and malcolm there were just a lot of question marks of like who could we insert? You know, this guy could be, you could go all the way down to like the ninth guy and the ninth guy can end up being the third best player on the team. This team has a pretty solid pecking order. Where, and, and the reason why that's, that's good is because the guys, that, the guys that are filling in right now, playing more minutes, they have an understanding that when those guys come back, that it's going to be different. So you can play and you don't have to put too much pressure on yourself because you know this is a couple game thing, but you can at least take some confidence from it. And I think that's what all these guys can do that's what a Jacob Grandison can do that's what you know a Coleman Hawkins can do but Coleman Hawkins and Jake Grandison are still going to maintain very very major roles for this team so yeah I mean and there's a lot of distractions there's there's suspensions there's you know there's Trent there's Curbelo like just Curbelo's we find out 30 minutes before the game that he's not playing but you know I think it can give a lot of confidence to this team and to the staff that like hey even though it's a it's a Division One team, and we can roll out, you can have four guys down and still go out and win convincingly. And I think there's a lot that to be said about that. And I always tie it back to the culture that uh, that has been built by by Brett Underwood and the staff. If you need more Michael Tuop, we got our VIP film room breaking down the true freshman on this team. And Mike, when we talk on the podcast next week, we're gonna have a lot more to talk about with two bigger tests: Arkansas State and Marquette. And then the big man comes back, and the rest of the college basketball world has to deal with that. Uh, it's gonna be a really fun next couple of weeks learning a lot more about this team. Absolutely, I'm excited. I mean, I'm ex- each game has has its own little excitement because. You know, even when Kofi comes back, yes, you know, this team will reach even greater heights, but but now just seeing these guys have to step up in different ways and win in different ways is is really, really neat. So I'm excited as this progresses to to see what players progress. And, you know, there's always a certain dynamic, but it was it was good seeing, you know, this first week of college basketball, watching Michigan last night. Um, they're gonna be a really good team. I mean, the Big Ten conference is absolutely loaded this year Keegan Murray I mean watching him at, over at over at Iowa you think they're taking a step back this year but with a guy like that who's a potential you know sleeper first round pick late second round or you know early second round pick there's a lot to be excited about for this Big Ten season great stuff Michael we'll t- chat to you next week man all right man sounds good
Great stuff as always from Michael Tulip. And if you want more analysis from Michael Tulip, check out our VIP film room that we will post here uh, on Thursday nights to be able to check that out. Uh, about a half hour breaking down the freshman and, and just uh, the little things that Mike sees uh, that a lot of people don't see. And, and some of those things he hit on with Goody um, and, and explaining how offenses feel him, how you know, ball handlers feel him, how, you know, wing players feel him. I, I thought that was really, really good. And just kind of the, yeah, there's a little bit of inconsistency with RJ Melendez, which is uh, to be expected for freshmen, but there are really good flashes uh, from him as well. So Mike, pretty, um, pretty bullish on, on this freshman class. So check that VIP film room out. And if you're not a VIP member yet, you can always get $1 for your first month of VIP access. Try us out. Check out those VIP film rooms. Of course, we've had so much uh, on the website this week. It's supposed to be an off week, uh, but all the basketball recruiting content uh, was signing day this week with Marez Johnson. I have another piece coming on Marez Johnson, the 2024 commit, uh, with two new commits in football. Uh, we have the latest uh, interviews with those guys, also analysis, and Illinois getting involved in the transfer portal. There's piece up right now on Antonio Doyle. Um, he talked with our own Carl Reed, his former high school coach uh, from Lutheran North, who's now doing some work with 24-7 Sports. So check all that out right now on the website. We appreciate that. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Rate us and review us. We always appreciate that. And our YouTube page as well. Uh, give us a follow there. Subscribe there. Uh, we do our video podcasts on there. We have all our post-game interviews on there. So been really trying to, to grow that and give you guys a little bit more video content uh, on the YouTube page. So just search Illini Inquirer and you can find us there. We appreciate all of your guys' support. All right, everybody, have a great day. Have fun at the Illinois-Arkansas State game, a test for Illinois. We'll see if they have Andre Curbelo, Trent Frazier, Austin Hutcherson back. We know they're without Kofi Coburn uh, for one more day. But enjoy that game. We'll talk about it here on the podcast late Friday night. And, of course, we'll get you ready for the big game at Marquette with the Gavit tip-off games as well. Until then, everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. We'll chat to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer podcast. <laughs>